0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Hello, happy new year, everybody. Do you guys want to say something to me? Or thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for being here. Welcome to Life Bridge. Um, there are cards in the seats, but I think you all know that already. So I'm gonna go on to giving. Or oh, wait, my life bridge. Yeah, my life church. Check that out if you don't know about My Life for Jet Church. Definitely check that out. Did you guys have a good new year? We want have a good new year? Good. I'm glad. It's a big year. It's a big year. For, it's a big year for me. I'm excited. I've got, I, yeah, new year, new me. I've got, I, I told the first service I went through, I've got like 17 resolutions. And could we just walk through them one at a time? Is that okay with everybody? No. All right, thank you for supporting our mission with your tithes and offerings. You can do that online through Venmo. There's giving boxes on each end of the hallway. A quick up update on how we, how we finished up the year. We will have a more detailed uh, financial report out in, in the coming weeks here for people who care about that. And I'm very aware that most of you will not read it, but it's good to have it. You know, accountability, transparency, all those things. Um we, we brought in about $80,000 in December, so we, we did not hit our goal, but it was still a good, solid, strong push. Uh, by far our best giving month of the year, so thank you guys for helping with that. Um, it, we were able to fulfill our commitment and exceed it to the Hulu House, and uh, we're in a pretty good spot moving into 2022. And like I said, the, we'll have more details about that uh, very soon to kind of keep you guys in the loop there. But thank you for getting involved, for supporting our mission, and for your faithfulness. Uh, in, in just kind of keeping, keeping what we're doing moving forward with your, with your ties with your offerings. Okay, Serve Sunday. There's, there's cards on your chairs you can use. We want to tell you guys about Serve Sunday coming up on January 30th. It's a day where, where the entire church, we serve together. And, um, and this, this Serve Sunday for, for this campaign is on January 30th, and it will be right here. We are going to be in the building together because we're expecting it to be pretty cold outside. If there's like a blizzard the night before, maybe we'll send a few people outside to shovel. But the majority of us will be right here in the building. And we are doing a food packaging event. We are going to be packing a ton of meals. And so when you come in, there will be tables set. The building will look very different that day. But we need everybody's help. We actually need a lot of people for that day. So we want, we're asking you to sign up uh, ahead of time at lifebridge.church forward slash serve. Or there's a QR code on the cards, I think, that you can use. And, and let us know which service you're coming to so we can plan accordingly. Um, or you can come to both and just hang out from 9 to noon. That would be great. And so should I just put all you guys down for both? Is that, we'll just, okay, cool. So, we're yeah, you, yeah it, it is a good, uh, we've had, we had some visitors at our last one too. It is a good event. People like to help and uh, people are looking for chances of volunteers. So if you have a coworker or somebody, it's actually a great time to invite somebody to come for the day. And to and to serve with us so that's what we will be doing as a church community on January 30th so I wanted to put that on your radar make sure you guys get, guys get signed up and uh, with that I, give, I want to give I want you guys to give your best warmest 2022 welcome to Pastor John Adams Thank you sir thank you get out of here <laughs>
1: Where's, well, you didn't read my bio, my intro, why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, happy new year, everybody. Man, yeah, thanks for braving the snow, it's winter wonderland out there, holy smokes. Um, yeah, I pitched the idea to the band this morning, they didn't seem too fond of it, but like, Really lean into, the, lean into the New Year's resolutions, like fitness craze, New Year, New You thing. I'm just like doing a group exercise class, really tapping into my personal training days. And we call it Pump and Praise, where uh, <laughs> so if, anybody, if anybody's down for that, we can clear the chairs. We can blast the music in here, and we can pump and praise. <laughs> There's, there was an organization that used to do that, actually. It's a little a little much, but whatever. All right. Burpees, go, everybody. (laughs) That's where the group exercise class looks at you and says, no, I'm not doing burpees because they're the worst. Let's pray, start, stop the nonsense and get into the sermon. Lord, God, we praise you. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing to us. Thank you, Lord, for the the new year, new uh, fresh sense that we get to to kind of start over, it seems like, in a lot of ways. So Lord, help us to honor you in the resolutions that we make and in the, the goals that we set for this year and how we want to love one another more and commit to doing your kingdom work. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're starting a new campaign today. Um, we're calling it Life-Changing Community. Um, I think... I don't think it's too strong to say this, but a healthy church community should always lead to life change. Healthy church community should always lead to life change. That if you're a part of a healthy community, a healthy church community, life change, growth, spiritual formation needs to be a part of that. Because the church is different than a lot of like clubs or just friendships or just organizations. Spiritual growth, becoming more like Christ is really at... The heart of it, and when we think of it, spiritual growth, spiritual formation, it is either done in community, produced by community, or it is meant to be lived out in community. As an example, we think of love, right? The greatest commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Paul, uh, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Love is everywhere throughout Scripture. If we are to obey and do what Jesus told us to, which his law is love, right? If we are to love one another, we need the one another to actually love and to grow and to practice to grow in love. Think of forgiveness, these core aspects of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Service. So others, like we're going to do at Serve Sunday, if we want to serve people, who are we serving if we aren't in community, seeking justice, showing mercy? These things all require community. They all require people around us. And if we are to grow in these, we must be in a community where we can practice and develop these character traits like love, mercy, humility, compassion. These are all formed in community and practiced in community. So in this campaign, we're going to explore the basis of Christian community and how it should change your life. And how Christian community isn't just, again, a social club. It's not just something that, that we're here to pat each other on the back and, hi, how's it going? How you doing? We're here to grow and be more like Jesus. All of that comes in community, but we want to be more like Christ as well. So... Even the way that I just described it, and when you often think of community and church or other groups, likely even, we tend to think of them in a transactional nature. What I mean by that is when we tend to think of coming to church even to get something out of church, uh, whether that's friendship, relationship, uh, whether it's to grow spiritually, to hear the sermon, to worship, We're, we're looking for something. We think of it as a transactional nature, and we also think of it as giving something, where we uh, we are here to use our gifts to serve the body of Christ, to do good in our community here in the church and in the broader community. And that's, that's totally well and good. That's fine. I think that's an important aspect of community is there is a transaction that happens there. But what I want to encourage us to do today is just before we even jump into that, which is going to be the most of the rest of the campaign, is how we grow and the things that that we should be challenging each other towards and growing in uh, those character traits in community. But before we begin there, I want to take today and just start uh, by, by looking at more of the foundation for community. Uh, not just thinking of it in a transactional nature, but thinking more, more deeply about what is this thing all about? Why are we in community with one another to develop these character traits? And the big idea for today is that community is in both the nature of God and the nature of humanity. So it's just who we are (laughs) is the big idea. It's simply it's who God is and it's who we are. So this is who we are created to be. You are not created to be in isolation. We are created to be in community. It is written in the fabric of creation, and it is even in the nature of God himself. So when we think of God, we should think of God as a trinity, Okay, there's a. Uh, we're going to go through just a few verses that point that out very clearly and specifically. First John 4:8. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Astute Bible readers read this and they think, well, who was God? If God, if love is an essential aspect of God's nature, who was He loving before creation, before He created all the cosmos, all the universe, everything? Who was He loving? Well, the very simple answer that we see throughout Scripture is the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed in perfect, loving relationship for all eternity. Jesus says as much in his high priestly prayer in John 17. He's praying to the Father. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So Jesus, second person of the Trinity, has existed with God in this loving relationship for all eternity. Eternity. John 17, 11, elsewhere in his high priestly prayer, says, Holy Father, protect them. He's praying for the disciples. By the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So in this relationship of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, what we see is this loving relationship and this unity, this eternal love and eternal unity that has existed for all of time between the members of the trinity three separate but equal persons john 1:1 1, 1 is the clearest statement of the divine nature of jesus in the beginning was the word referring to jesus and the word was with god meaning the word is distinct a distinct person from god and the word was god meaning the word was divine in nature it was of the essence of god as well so jesus is distinct from god but still also god three and one Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And finally, one more, Matthew 28, 19, very simply. Therefore, go. this is at the Great Commission, where Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go out after his resurrection, prior to his ascension. Therefore, go and make, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. It's not a typo, it's singular. Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he emphasizes the three-in-one nature of Of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, singular name. Okay, so I just want to go through real quick Trinity, Trinitarian theology (laughs) briefly, and just emphasize the fact that God exists in a relationship, that God is three in one. It was in his nature to be in community and relationship. It is also in the nature of humanity, Genesis 2, 18, in the creation narrative, the second chapter of Genesis, which gives us so much of our uh, understanding of what it means to be human, comes from Genesis 1 through 3. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. At this point in the narrative, he's only created Adam, which is a play on words, just means human, right? He's created Adam. Adam, and God says it's not good for him to be alone, so then he creates Eve. But the basis for that creation is that it is not good for man to be alone, that it is not in the nature of humanity that we should be isolated and alone. Therefore, God has placed us in community, and he calls us to marriage being the uh, most sacred, intimate of all relationships, And that's the basis, the theological basis that Genesis 2 is outlining there. Then, as we see throughout the Old Testament, when God calls somebody to, when God calls somebody, in this case, it's going to be Abraham, it's always for the people of Israel. It's always for his people. It's always for a group. It's not just a calling for an individual. Here in the case of Abraham, God calls him and uh makes a covenant with him to make him into a great nation. In his nation, his descendants become the people of Israel. So it's not just for Abraham that God is calling him. It is for his descendants, his community of descendants, that will be very numerous. So God calls Abraham to make him into a great nation. We think of the kings of Israel. I call him to rule over the people of Israel as their leaders prophets. God calls them to go speak to the people of Israel in order to call them back to the truth of God's word. When God calls somebody, it always is for the community. And we see the same in the New Testament, after Jesus establishes the church, and the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's in the church that followers of Christ are called to participate and be a part of this people of God. God is always about creating for himself a people. Now you are the body of Christ. It's Paul's favorite analogy. We'll read it later in Romans chapter 12 as well. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. When I was in seminary, or this wasn't even seminary, this was college. Savannah and I were taking a class together at college, and we had a professor who, referring to this idea, he would always use the phrase, atomistic conglomerate. Say it with me. I'm kidding, don't. (laughs) It's... It's annoying, right? But <laughs> it's stuck in my head because nobody talks like that. Nobody actually says that. But it's stuck in my head because it's a, good, it's a good way of describing it, that a community made up of a lot of individuals is simply the idea. But when we think about that, it, that concept is written in the fabric of all of creation. It's everywhere. So when we think of systems, we could... We could Paul here is thinking of the body as like the head, the hand, the foot. They all work together as one unified whole, but they're kind of different parts. He, he, he wasn't aware of microbiology and all of this stuff at that day and age, but he could go much more, much deeper and much smaller into systems and organizations of different cell types and tissue types and all of this stuff. It's kind of how all living organisms function and work is cellular systems. You think of your body even, just carrying this analogy. This is what works for me. Hopefully, it helps you. Uh, when we think about our body and how our systems function within our body, uh, your muscles, they need they need oxygenated blood in order to function. So your respiratory system, it oxygenates the blood through your lungs, and your cardiovascular system, it pumps it through your heart to the rest of your body. Oh, and by the way, your heart that does that is actually a muscle that needs blood itself, And then your brain, it coordinates and functions the whole thing through your uh, nervous system. Therefore, uh, and your brain also needs a bunch of blood that your heart has to pump blood to. So they are interconnected and all interdependent. Interconnected and interdependent. So using that analogy of the body of interconnectedness and interdependence is how we are supposed to think of our relationships within the church. That we are all interconnected and interdependent, that one of us is cannot function in isolation, that we need others, just like the heart needs uh, blood to be oxygenated from the lungs in order for it to function, just like they all need the nervous system in order for them to function. Uh, We all are interconnected and interdependent is how we should think of our community life, as individuals interconnected and interdependent in need of each other. Not only that, but theologically, we are the community where the Holy Spirit dwells. Band, you guys can come and get set up. John, why don't you run and grab them really quick before you come up? I don't know if they're in here yet. In 1 Corinthians three sixteen to 17, we read, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? He's talking to the community. He talks elsewhere of an individual being the temple of the Holy Spirit as well. But here, the individuals who uh, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in, the Holy Spirit also dwells within the community. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. So you can tell, Paul's a little ticked here. He says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. What he's saying here in the context that some people are going for, they're like, I follow Paul. Some say I follow Apollo. Some say I follow Peter. Paul's like, no, we'll have none of that. We all follow Christ. And hey, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We can't be divided as a community. We need each other. And as a community, we represent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. So as I was thinking about all this and how we as, uh, as people are by nature required to be in community, that it's just a part of who we are, that we exist in interconnected relationships, interdependent relationships with one another. I was trying to think of a relationship that, kinda, that fits that kind of natural kind of sense in which you're just naturally born into that. And brothers and sisters... Just as like you are naturally born into your family of origin with your family, whether it's your parents, your brothers and sisters, whoever is a part of your natural family, right? Like In the same way, that's how we are to think of our church community as just natural. Like that's just, just like your family, that we need each other and we're naturally just a part of this same community. That's why the Bible talks about brothers and sisters so much. It is the most common word in the New Testament to describe our relationships with one another is brother and sister. It occurs over 340 times in the New Testament. We'll unpack this a little bit more later and how this applies to spiritual formation, but we must think of ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. And just as naturally as you're born into into your natural family, family of origin, so we think of ourselves as brothers and sisters in the community of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for adopting us into your family, that we may be brothers and sisters with one another. Lord, I pray that we would grow together as brothers and sisters and be formed together just as we're formed in our natural families. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. If you guys need prayer, there's prayer available in the back
0: while we're singing.
2: I'm ready for a miracle. Hearts praying for a fresh encounter. Souls looking to the living. heaven is reaching oh can you hear it our god is speaking oh can you see it he's got your healing oh just receive it receive the freedom
3: nothing can stand against and I choose to pray And I choose to pray, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. But nothing can stand against. And I choose to pray.
1: Praise you we worship your name. Lord, for who you are, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Praise you for the redemption that you brought us, the adoption, the sonship that you have brought us, Lord, into your family as your sons and daughters. surrender ourselves to your work in us that you are doing through the community through our family of brothers and sisters here it's in your name Jesus we pray amen you guys can have a seat for a few moments as we apply this simple concept that part of our nature to be in community. It is part of God's nature to be in relationship. That we think of familial relationships as those relationships that are just natural, that you're born into. And so in the church, we call one another brothers and sisters in the same sense. That this community, these relationships among us are to be that natural. And just as they are formed, so formative, those early relationships, your family of origin were incredibly formative in your life. They were most likely the most formative relationships. They're, they had the most power over you because they were the most intimate. You've never done... It's called the genogram. We do it in the Emotionally Healthy Relationship course with Pete Scazzaro. Couldn't recommend it more highly. Um, John Mark Comer's church puts out a packet that I've used often in counseling that has a genogram in it, and if you would like it, please just email me and I can send it to you and you can walk through it. I'd encourage you to walk through it with people, with some of your brothers and sisters in Christ together, but um, definitely it is very formative and it's very helpful. The idea is you walk through your family tree and you look back at your siblings, your parents, your aunts, uncles. You go back a few generations and you you just kind of take note of things like alcoholism, the the negative things, like alcoholism, like divorce, like those those, uh, key moments in your life that have affected you. And the good things as well. Uh, So because these relationships are so formative, they have so much power to influence us for, and to form us, both for good and for bad. And for all of us, our family of origin experiences have been a mix of good and bad, if we're honest. There's so an example. One of the messages is just innocent, simple example. One of the messages that I received in my family of origin, my brother's here, he can testify to this as well. We've talked about this. One of the messages that I, we've received was to be always working, always working. Okay, we grew up on a farm, so we had to always be working. Kind of. it does, the work doesn't stop, right? Like, the cows always need to be milked. You can't just send the cows and out of the office on vacation email and say, sorry, you're not getting milk today. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. There's always work to do. You're working from the time you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed. And the work is right there because you live there too, right? It's always right there. So as a kid growing up, I always saw my dad working. And that was all we did. It was work, work, work. A ton. Not all we did. That's no exaggeration. But we were pretty much always working. If it was the sun was up, we were doing work. You're never just hanging out, sitting, doing absolutely nothing. So a major part of my spiritual formation has been learning to rest. And for me, I've had to take, go to pretty like, great lengths to just learn to rest. As Savannah will tell you, it's very, very hard for me to just like, sit down on the couch when the sun is up and just do nothing. Just pick up a book and read. Because I, I, it just isn't in me. I've never seen it modeled. I've never understood it. I feel like I'm being lazy if I don't do something. So for me, rest was really, really hard. Even on vacation, I wouldn't rest, and I couldn't do it. So for me, a big part of my spiritual formation has been learning how to rest. So just as your family of origin is so powerful in forming you, the hope of the Godhead at work within the church, which by the way, I'm going to say Godhead a lot today because we're talking about the Trinity today, if you know, if you wonder why I'm saying that. We're talking about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you have trouble conceiving of God as a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when you think of God, you only think of the big guy in the clouds with a beard, try using that language more often, Godhead. Think God, Father, uh, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to just train yourself to think that way, that God exists three in one. The hope of the Godhead at work within the church is greater formational power in your life than the power that you were formed with. It needs to be greater because you've already been formed, largely, as I said, by your family of origin, which was a mix of both good and bad. And so you need to be transformed, which transformation goes to going back to understanding the good and the bad of your formation and then transforming that, changing that to be more like Christ. And it is a challenge. For all of us, we were formed without knowing it. It just happens, right? (laughs) When your family of origin, how you grew up, the values, the things that you learned, the way you began to perceive of yourself, that just happened. Happens naturally. Transformation, the challenge for most of us is transformation. It, it it happens upon conversion, but it's a lifelong process that you need to commit to, and you need to commit to being a part of. God accomplishes this work in us, in the community, but we need to commit to it. And I think that's where it becomes a huge challenge for most of us. Formation just happened. Transformation is something that we commit to and we have to strive for. And I think for many of us in the church today, we have not ceded formational power to the Godhead at work in the church to transform us. I'm say that again. I think for many of us today, we have not ceded formational power to the Godhead at work in the church to transform us into the image of Christ. So I want to invite you to just sit with that for a moment. I want you to sit, pray. I want you to think of maybe one, don't do it all now because you don't have time, but think of maybe one simple way, one value that was formed in you from your family of origin. Think of how powerful that influence and formation process was on you. And then think of the church as your family in that same sense. And ask yourself if you have surrendered that transformational power of the Godhead at work within the community of brothers and sisters to transform you. Ask if that's what you're if that same formational power is how you are viewing your relationships here. Even more powerful because this is God at work in you and through the church to form you into the image of Christ. Just sit with that for a moment. Maybe think of an example or two and think of your overall perception of how you're viewing the church as brothers and sisters to form you with that same power. Throughout this week, I want you to continue asking yourself that question. If you've never done a geneogram and gone through your family of origin and thought through how your family of origin has influenced you, informed you, I would encourage you to begin that process with others. (laughs) the other group of people around you to go through that process with you and to think about it. And then commit to this process of transformation. Surrender to the transformational power of the Godhead at work within the community of brothers and sisters to transform you into the image of Christ. We're gonna read all of Romans chapter 12, and this is precisely what Paul is calling the church of Rome to do, to surrender themselves to the Godhead and his transforming work within Brothers and sisters, the community of faith in Rome, to transform them into the image of Christ. I'm gonna, oh, I really struggled first service not to like preach all of this. So if I pause awkwardly in the middle of it, I'm wondering if I should preach it and I'm gonna probably, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just gonna read it. Okay, but I'm gonna lay it out a little bit in the beginning here first. <clears throat> so, first thing you'll notice here in verse one. Paul addresses them as brothers and sisters for this reason. He addresses them uh, in Rome and in Corinth often. He's really, as we saw earlier, he's really kind of ticked at what's going on. The situation in Corinth and the divisions among them, there are divisions here in Rome as well. And so Paul constantly addresses them as brothers and sisters. He's trying to convince them to start thinking of themselves in this way. These familial relationships that you guys are brothers and sisters. And yes, the tensions that you're experiencing, the hardships that you're facing, the joys that you are sharing together, the beauty of it all is like a family relationship that brothers and sisters go through and allowing this to form you, to make you into the image of Christ because it is God working through the church to form you, he encourages them to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That is the first step in formation, and then being transformed. As we said, we've already been formed. Now we need to be transformed. Our mind needs to be changed. Our mind needs to be renewed. And it is this difficult process of transformation that happens when we surrender ourselves to God over time. The Godhead working through the community, through our brothers and sisters, helps to transform our mind. Then you know what God's will is. And after Paul says this, all of this, he launches first into, here's how you live in community. (laughs) Because community is essential to our nature and is an essential part of our spiritual formation. So just as you were formed in a community, into ideas, into systems of thinking, so now you need to be transformed through the community, God working through the community, to make you into the image of Christ. Okay, we're just going to read it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, there he goes again, that animistic conglomerate. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, how he transitions from the people here into the people around in the community. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, he will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is how the community transforms us, and this is how we are to be transformed to live within the community, and to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Lord, God, I pray that you would give us this perspective, that your spirit would produce in us this perspective of love, sincere love for our brothers and sisters, to strive to help one another grow into the image of Christ to desire to grow into the image of Christ in community. Lord, we thank you for your work among us. And God, you are working in our lives, in our community, and through us for one another. Lord, would you continue that process? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are doing in the lives of those around us, calling us, challenging us to a greater Christ-likeness? Lord, help us not to be content with where we are in our life with you, but to desire you, Jesus, to know you more. And Lord, in knowing you more, to love others more, to give of ourselves more for others, to represent you well, Jesus, to a dark world. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we gather. It's in your name we sing and praise. It's in your name we love and challenge one another to be more like Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together. Again, if you guys need prayer, please go back and receive prayer.
0: God, you are good, you are faithful. God, help us to trust in your way, in your will, Lord. God, I pray that you would continue to renew and transform us into a community of people who better knows and follows your will. God, that as our lives change, as we look more like you, God, the fruit of our lives would be look more like your kingdom. God, we want to be the kind of community where that happens, where that's the norm, where we come in and we, we build a relationship, not for the sake of relationship, not for the sake of, of, of any social reason necessarily. Friendship is good, but God, we want more than that. We want the kind of community that draws us closer to you. Because you're worthy of it all, Lord. And help us to be that kind of community this year. To be that kind of church. To be that kind of family to one another. To be those kind of people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer, you can get prayer before you go. Again, Happy New Year and have a wonderful Sunday. I'll see you next week.